Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to start this morning, amen, for the next four weeks. Uh, we're, we're just going to encourage you. We're just going to kind of take a little journey together, kind of do a little exploratory. You know, you know when the, the doctor says he's going to do some exploratory surgery. <laughs> we're going to go inside and see what's going on. And uh, how many knows that sometimes when you, you get inside, you, you find something wrong? Uh, other times, you uh, get a good report. They look and say, no, everything, everything was fine. And uh, so but we're going we're gonna to do a little exploratory uh, on our hearts and our passions and our purpose. And uh, we're just going to begin to seek to find. How many, did you know that you have hidden treasures? Anybody, would anybody like to find some hidden treasure? You know, you, you hear about people digging in their yard or, you know, swimming somewhere in the ocean and finding, well, Miss Amy talked about uh, how those two guys there in the, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee uh, when the, the drought was, and they were walking and found a little bit of that, but they found a 2,000-year-old uh, boat. And, I mean, that's talk about a treasure. But can I tell you today that hidden within each one of you is treasures, there are unfulfilled purposes and plans and things that God wants to draw out. And, amen, you are a diamond in the rough. Amen. Uh, some of us are just rougher than others. Hey, but listen, just, just because I'm rough now doesn't mean I'm not going to shine later. Amen. So, uh, come on. The, 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 the hard thing, what it takes to make that is pressure. So the pressure that you go through is not to destroy you, it's to reveal you. Amen? You never really know what's in the heart of man until he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> Come on now. And, uh, and then sometimes out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak up. And, and then you're like, oh, I guess I, I need to work on my heart a little bit. Uh, but most of the time, I know all of you uh, in that situation just say, well, praise the Lord. And uh, all is well. Uh, but we're just going to look a little bit because before we can look at our, our, our future, before we can look at what's coming, sometimes we've got to look at what's behind. You need to know, we need to know where we've been, we need to know where we come from, and we need to know where we're going. Amen? What do you think is the most dangerous thing in your house? What do you think causes more injuries? <laughs> now, in the, in the office, I asked this question, and uh, they were all talking, and uh, it was a pretty much a consensus. Uh, their mouth was the most dangerous thing in their house. But that's not it. Uh, did you know the, the number one uh, uh, most dangerous thing in your house is a knife? 460,000 people are injured every year with knives. Now, I hope most of those are accidental. I can't promise all of them are, but most of them are. And especially if you have a cut coat. Now, if you have one of those knives, you're going to cut yourself just looking at it. Sharp. What's, what do you think the second uh, most dangerous thing is in the house? The bathtub, well, <laughs> if Brother Mike was here, he could tell you that's true. Uh, but uh, he's, he's not feeling good today. We pray for him. But, uh, yeah, he slipped, broke his neck in there. So getting ready for church, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. But that's not it. The number two is power tools. Brother Johnny should know this. Uh, uh, Brother Johnny, he, he listen, he, he's an artist. He, he's, he's nailed his fingers together. Run his hand through the power saw. I mean, listen, anybody that works with power tools, 110,000 a year are injured uh, with power tools. Uh, this one's kind of crazy. I don't understand it. Uh, but 40,000 people are injured every year by pillows. That's a lot of pillow fights. I'm thinking some of those are wives holding them over their husband's face. I'm not sure exactly. 40,000 injured by pillows. My wife has enough pillows in the house. When I have an accident and fall, I fall on a pillow. Because there's a pillow everywhere. But today, I, I, I want to show you today what I think is 
the, one of the number one dangerous things in the house of God. One of the most dangerous things in the house. One of the most dangerous things in your life. This thing right here is so dangerous, it, 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 it can get you in trouble quick. I'm like, Brother John, uh, come be my volunteer. Because he, he's going to like this. You're going to like this. Come on. Because I, I, I know he has one in his house. And uh, he, he's going to like this. And uh, so, I, I, we're talking, what are we talking about today? Dangerous things, okay? This is a dangerous thing right here in the house of God. Come on over here, come on over here. I got this just for you. Y'all got to use your imagination a little bit, okay? All right, here, I, I need you to just sit down right there. There we go. Can y'all see over there? Well, you might stand up. Look here. All right, there you go. Look here, we got a remote control. All right, look here. Now, now we're gonna. Oh, come on. There we go. Every man wants one of these. Now, I want you to help me because in your house, this is called a recliner, a easy chair, a. Lazy boy. It's a lazy boy right here. Every when, when I get up out of my easy chair, sometimes I talk to it and I say, I'll see you later. I'll, I, I'll see you tonight. I can't wait. I talk to my bed like that sometime when I get out of it. I'll say, I can't, I can't wait to see you tonight. Because we like to be comfortable. But the easy chair is one of the most important things. Important. We strive to get here, but it's one of the most dangerous because if you got your little paper there, if you didn't get one, wave your hand, an usher give it to you. Number one, it's so easy to make comfort the aim of our life. But that should not be the aim of our life. Amen? This is not what we should strive for. It's great, we enjoy it, but this should not be the aim of your life because if you do, life will pass you by. Now, I'm not going to because I know what will happen. If I leave him here and I go back over here and start preaching, what do y'all think is going to happen to him? He's not going to hear nothing I have to say. Because he's in his easy chair. He's in his comfort zone. And when you get comfortable, you get sleepy. And when you get sleepy, you doze off and you are not in reality. Now, sometimes that's what we like, don't it? Sometimes we want to get here and forget the pressures of life. We want to get our remote control, get our favorite show. John's going to be watching some NASCAR, I'm telling you. He's watching the cars go round and round just after he ate a good dinner and then he's going to nap in between and just open one eye and see who's in the lead. That's not reality, is it? We're in a bubble. And so many times in the church, this becomes our aim. I'm just going to strive hard enough. I'm going to work hard enough. I'm going to pray hard enough. I'm going to read just enough to get comfortable that I've done enough to satisfy God, to satisfy others, and then I'm just going to take it easy. Come on, give Brother John a hand clap. I'm a, i got to get you up or you're going to go to sleep on me. Oh, <laughs> He, he was trying to use the volume to turn me down. Thank you, Brother John. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, now when, you're, when you're in that chair, are you poised for action? Are you ready to work? No. We're ready to relax. Amen. So, so when we get in that chair, when we get in the easy chair, I mean, it becomes dangerous in our life because it becomes the aim. We want comfort. We want ease. We want desire for comfort. It can happen physically, spiritually, financially. The aim of your life should not be to take it easy. 
Because if you just take it easy, you're never going to fulfill all of the goals that God has for your life. Amen? Jesus addressed this. We see in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 15, He said, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, we have a church here in Revelation that Jesus addressed, and this was their very thing. This was a rich city. It was a prosperous city. Everybody was doing well, and the church was doing great. But they had got in the easy chair. They had relaxed, and they had said, we've made it. We've arrived. We have a nice building. We have nice chairs. We've got good air conditioning. Uh, Everything is going well. I'm just going to sit here and relax. And he said, you say, you're rich. And you don't need anything, but I say you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I don't want God to say that about me. Amen? See, the focus of of our church should not be how comfortable can we get. Because, see, the devil wants to lure. It's funny. We were were out at the lake, and uh, uh, we were talking about, lures because Amy had on an ankle bracelet and she said take this thing off because she said I'm afraid it's going to attract a fish something's going to bite at but and all of a sudden my son had an epiphany <gasps> oh you did somebody did I was floating I, I was in my easy comfy floaty I didn't care she said I don't want to lure any fish and Jacob said is that why it's called a lure Huh? Because it lures things. I'll tell you, the devil wants to lure you in to comfort, to ease, where things don't bother you, where the poor don't bother you anymore, sinners don't bother you anymore, hell doesn't bother you anymore, people's needs doesn't bother you anymore, because I'm in my easy chair. I've made it. I've arrived. I'm comfortable. And that's all that matters. Somebody say, help me, Lord. But God said, I, I want to do something better. I, I don't want you just to get comfortable. I want to make you better. I want to make you blessed. I want to make you prosperous. But I don't want you to get comfortable in your prosperity. I want you to use what God has blessed you with to bless others. And how many knows that takes work? It's hard to bless others. We have to get out of our comfort zone sometime to deal with the needy, to feed the hungry, to bless the poor, to deal with those that are having trouble in marriage and to deal with sinners. It's hard sometimes. Jesus challenged them. And in Philippians chapter 3, in verse number 18 and 19, he said, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Wow. The church can get their mind so at ease. Oh, we, we got everything great. We got good crowds. We got all this. We've got everything made. Let's sit back now. Oh, this is the biggest lie of the devil. Now that we've attained this success, let's just sit back and relax. Jesus talked about a parable. He said, the man said, my barns are full. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. The Lord said, tonight your life will be required of you. You see, things don't make you happy. Just because you're comfortable doesn't mean everything's right. Amen? I hope you come back next week. Just because I challenged your easy chair. I didn't say you couldn't sit in it sometime. I just don't want you to live there. Amen? 
Don't live there at home. Don't live there here. There's things to be done. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came that they have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. Don't you want to have a full life? I want to have a full life. I want to have a fulfilling life. I want to have a life of success, but I don't want to have a life to where I'm so comfortable the needs around me don't bother me. They see, uh, this word here in the Message Bible says more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Wow. You want to have a better life than you've ever dreamed of? Did you know if you'll help other people have a better life than they've dreamed of, you'll have a better life? Did you know people who help other people are way happier than those who are selfish? See, when you're selfish and you just want more and more and more for you, the more you get, the less joy it brings. But they've proven it. The more you give away, the more others that you help and the more people you bless and the more lives you help change, the happier you are. Those are the things, you see, because here's what happens here on earth. All the stuff we're trying to lay up, we're trying to fill our bank accounts and fill our houses and fill our garages and fill all that. And that's just temporal. But every the things we do for others, he said, you're laying up treasures in heaven. Now, do you, which, which one are you more concerned about, filling your bank account or heaven's bank account? Because you're leaving this one here. I saw a picture this week on Facebook. A hearse had a kayak on top. I'm not sure where they were going or who was going to use it. But I'm telling you, they're not kayaking down the river of life today. In the Greek, this word abundant. He said that you may have it life and have it more abundant. That word abundant, it it, it means superior or beyond measure. How do you measure success? How do people measure success? Is it how big the check is at the end of the week? How much money you have? The position? I'm telling you, that's not how God measures success. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you beyond measure. Come on, the world. The world claims the path to satisfaction and self-fulfillment is taking care of you. Who's number one? Me. That doesn't bring true satisfaction. When you focus on what you want and what you need, you're all about self-soothing and how, how, I, can, how, how I can manipulate and get what I want. And I tell you, that, that's, it, it's miserable. But when you focus on the needs of others, when you begin to get out of your easy chair and help make others' lives comfortable, I'm not saying you can't ever be in it. The Bible says that we should enjoy the fruit of our labor. That we should enjoy our children and our our families and our spouse. And we should enjoy the things. But I'm telling you, it's not all about me. It's about helping others achieve their goals and, and their purpose and plan. And then God said, when you do that, I will give you abundance. Jesus came so that we could experience an above average, an above ordinary lifestyle. Did you, did, did you know that in America, our poorest is like the middle class of the world? Did you know that at the end of the week, if your bills are paid and you have food in your house, you're like in the top 10% of the world? America, we've got in our lazy chair, we've got in our easy chair, and we don't realize that there's people that are just looking today. You know, we're looking, how much can I get? How much can I do? What can I? They're thinking, can I have a grain of rice today? Am I going to eat today? We're blessed. And God wants us. He said, if you'll, if you'll get out of your 
easiness, out of your life of, of ease and, and lethargy and, and laziness, and you will, or lethargy it would be, not lethargy, lethargy. If you would get out of that and you would get out and you would bless somebody and help somebody and encourage somebody. Amen. God said, amen, when you are going about my business, I'm going to be about your business. But when you're just worried about your business, sometimes we don't always get those needs met, do we? Mark chapter 8, verse number 35 says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel's sake will save it. Wow. Jesus taught us about real life. Abundant life is not about how, when, how soon I can get to the easy chair, when I can retire, when I can do this. He said abundant life is when you care more about serving others than you care about serving yourself. Jesus, anybody want to be like Jesus? Everybody says, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to be servant of all. He was not ashamed to get down and wash the disciples' feet. He wasn't ashamed to get down and touch the sick, to touch the dead, to touch the leper. All the things we saw in Israel, there's big no-nos. I mean, that's unclean. You can't do that. But Jesus was not afraid to go right in amongst the hurting and the, the, the pain and the sorrow and the sin and just embrace it and love people. Real living is found and giving. We sing that song. Giving it all away your way. Giving it all your way. To go your way. We're giving it all. See, that, that's when, when, we, when we begin to live a life like that. Lord, I am, I am here today to give my all. I am here today to love with my all. I'm here today to serve my family. I'm here to serve my spouse. I'm here to serve my children. I'm here to serve my boss. I'm here to serve my church. I'm here to serve. And we, instead of walking in saying, what are you going to do for me? Walk in and say, what can I do for you, Lord? Lord, where can I serve you? Where? Where can thank thank God for my easy chair? Thank God for my recliner. But sometimes I gotta get out of it and go to work. I gotta get out of it and serve. I gotta get out of it and love. I gotta get out of it and be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. You were built, designed, and created for something extraordinary. Everybody say, I am extraordinary. See, the devil just wants to tell you you're ordinary. You're like everybody else. You're nothing special. Oh, I'm here to tell you today, you're extraordinary. And God's got a purpose for your life. Come on. Self-gratification will never lead to fullness of life. Only emptiness and sacrifice. The true purpose of life will only be found when we look beyond our contentment. What makes me happy? See, this is, this is where marriages get in trouble. I hear it all the time. They're just not making me happy. It's not their job to make you happy. See, you're so worried about them making you happy. What are you doing to make them happy? Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. You're just giving 100% expecting nothing in return. Because when you're always expecting other people to make you happy, I'm telling I got news for you. Folks just can't make you happy. Money can't make you happy. Things can't make you happy. You're going to find your happiness and your satisfaction and your joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you're going to find it in serving and giving and loving others. Can I get a big amen? Amen. Living a life of significance and purpose. The most fulfilled people on the planet ask questions like this. What can I add? What can I give? What can I do? How can I serve? 
the least happy people on the planet ask questions like, what can I get? What's in it for me? What are they going to do for me? It's all about me. Number two, mediocrity and satisficing makes the chair acceptable. Everybody say acceptable. We've We've just accepted the chair. We've accepted our life of ease. We've accepted, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm older now. I'm, I'm just slowing down. And uh, we're going to look at these words. Medioc- what is mediocrity? The definition is a Latin word. It means middle or ochris. Or the meaning is the middle of the mountain. Everybody say the middle of the mountain. How many wants to climb to the middle of a mountain? What's usually the goal? Yeah. Literally translated, it means to settle halfway to the summit of a difficult mountain. It's a compromise of abilities and potential. A negotiation between the drive to excel and the urge to settle. How many of us, we all have that battle going on in us? We have a drive to excel, but we have an urge to settle. See, Pat, what are you talking about? I really want to go to work today, but I'm too sleepy. So I think I'll just roll over and call in. See, we have a desire. We say we have a desire. You know, I've used this example on you so many times that you don't fall for it anymore. But there might be somebody here that hadn't heard it before. So I'll say it again. See if I can trick somebody else. How many of you would love to play the piano? I got one hand. Everybody's like, I ain't falling for that again. Brother Dale, listen. I like him. He works hard. He sweats hard. Listen, we were out there working on the air conditioner, the hot sun. I was standing there trying to hold the umbrella over him. He turned the air on and blew the umbrella away. Thank you for falling from my trick, see. I said, who wants to learn to play the piano? Brother said, oh, I love to. Well, are you taking lessons? No. So you really don't want to learn to play the piano. See, we, we, we always have these things. Oh, I want to do that. I have a desire to do that. But I don't have the drive to want to do it. I'm not putting any effort in. Oh, I would love to. I, yeah, I want to have a lot of money. But I don't really want to go to work. Huh? You see, we, we, we have a desire to climb the mountain, but it got hard. So I just settled right here. I can see the top. Is that that enough for you? Is it enough to see other people succeed? Or do you want to succeed yourself? Is it enough? But the, the devil just lures you in and he says, that's good enough. You see, good is the enemy of great. See, if the devil tells you it's good. How many has ever said those words? I use it a lot. It's good enough. It's fine. (laughs) But see, is it excellent? Is it great? Is is it good as it could be? Mediocrity. Settling. It's negotiated between the the drive to excel and the urge to settle. Mediocrity doesn't just happen. It develops over time. How many would say you had a, a higher drive when you were young than you do today? just happens it happens over time you get tired the goal seems harder i can remember remember caleb when joshua and caleb said we can take that mountain they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years 40 years later he came back at 80 something years old and he said my strength today is the same it was then i can take that mountain give it to me and you know what he said go for it 
And he took that mountain and he conquered those giants and he inhabited that and God blessed him. Come on. That means somebody could have said, you know what? 40 years ago, yeah, God put that in my heart. 40 years ago, God said I could have it. But I don't think God really wants me to have it anymore because he knows I'm getting older and I'm slower. Is God older or slower? And God's the one that if God be for you, who can be against you? It's not about you. It's about what God can do through you. Amen. Listen to this. When you stop growing, you start dying. When you stop growing, you start dying. Let's don't. Start dying. Over time, familiarity sets in. Some of the aspects that once seemed new and exciting are predictable and mundane. That happens in family. It happens in marriage. It happens on a job. People just change, change because it got old. It got boring. Well, you know what? Make it exciting again. Do something new. Spice things up. Freshen things up. Come on. You say, well, I'm just tired. I just say, I'm on there. I just go to church. I do this. I just pray. Come on. Come on. Change things up a little bit. Come on. Get, you got, you got to fall in love. Here's the deal. You might know the Bible, but do you know the author? Come on. So we got to fall in love with the author again, and it'll get exciting again. Fall in love with your spouse again. Fall in love with your kids. Fall in love with, with, the, with the vision and passion that God gave you for business. And come on, stir up things a little bit. Stop being just on autopilot. We become stagnant. We get focused on surviving instead of thriving. How, how many, am I talking to anybody today besides me? We get stuck on surviving instead of thriving. Let's push forward and say, God, I want something greater. I want my last days to be better than my beginning days. Over time, man, we all had, can can you remember? I mean, you first get married. I mean, you you know, you've heard Miss Amy say this all the time. She wanted to either marry a preacher or a millionaire. (laughs) She she got stuck with the latter. (laughs) But... I'm not dead yet. And when I die, she'll be one. So she's kind of hoping to be sooner than later. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But you know what? We, we, we have all these things we're going to do when we're young. We have all these dreams. Man, we're going to do this and all that. And then what happens? It's a four-letter word. It's called life. Kids. Bills, jobs, and it has a way of sucking the life out of you. Amen? All of a sudden, all those dreams and visions and expectations, all of a sudden they seem, they, they, they were right there. And now they seem, wow, that mountain's tall. And I'm not as strong as I used to be. Gage just had a birthday. See, he, he's not as young as he used to be. <laughs> Pastor Marcello, he's, he's so funny. He's been just having a few little issues and different things going on. And he's, he's been saying, 49 hit me hard. <laughs> For, I said, wait till you get to 51. Uh, and then everybody else could say, wait till you get here. Wait till you know, yeah, yeah. So, I use this word. It came from the 1950s. A professor, he wrote a book. Uh, and he he did some research and he called it satisficing. It's a combination of the words satisfy and sufficing. It means to select an option that is sufficient to meet enough of our ongoing expectations. Satisficing. Are you satisficing? You're just, I have enough to meet my expectations today. And if you start satisficing, you're not going to push forward. You're going to get in the easy chair. 
and you're going to say, I'm satisfied with what I have, with where I'm at, with who I am. And if you stop growing, you start dying. Let's don't, let's don't, don't, let's don't be guilty of satisfying. <laughs> I'm satisfied. Come on, let's don't be satisfied with where they're at with God, where we're at in our home, where we're at with our parents, with our family, with our children, with our spouse, with our finances. Come on, and, we, and, and with what we're doing for others. I've done enough. Hey, the other day, a while back, I rolled my window down and gave somebody $5 standing on the side of the road. I'm good. I've done my charitable duty for the year. That's, that's not. There's still some other people out there hurting. Come on, you can still give some to Manor House to buy food for the hungry. You can still come and sack groceries. You can still carry groceries out. You can still go and mow your neighbor's yard. You can find somebody in this hot uh, summertime, even that maybe don't have a fan or an air conditioner. You might could go over and help them. You might just find somebody less fortunate than you and be a blessing. It'll make you feel better, I promise you. Don't be satisfying. You ever heard, you ever heard th- these, these uh, statements, when I grow up? When I grow up, I want to be in middle management. <laughs> when I grow up, I, I, I want to be a yes man. I want to have a brown nose. Uh, what, 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 what do people say? When I grow up, I want to be the boss. I want to own the company. I want, see, we always have a high expectation. But then when we go to work for that company, we come in late, we leave early, and we steal pens and toilet paper and paper clips. And then we wonder why we don't get promotions. And we say, I've done enough. But see, people who excel, people who get promotions, people who get raises, people who end up being the CEO are the people who stay late and arrive early and do more than's expected of them instead of just getting by. I've satisfied my duties. I prayed today. I said, now I lay me down to sleep. I said, Lord, bless this food. I don't need to pray anymore. I, 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 I read the scripture. We get satisfied with where we're at and we get comfortable and we don't push forward. Mediocrity is a destination of choice. Everybody say, I refuse to choose. Mediocrity. Mediocrity is a destination of choice. Slowly, gradually, small decision by small decision, they accumulate until you end up where you never plan to be. If you're there today, make a decision, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to set my eye back on the top, on the summit, and I'm going to start climbing again. I'm tired of mediocrity. Number three. Everyone has a reason. Everybody say a reason. Everybody has a reason to sit in the chair. I've done my duty. I've done my job. I'm older now. I've done my share. Has everybody ever said that? I've done my share. Well, I just want to let y'all know. I've done more than my share and I'm still doing it. You don't just do your share and quit. You keep doing. And then when you find somebody not doing their share, you do theirs too. And when you find somebody, see somebody struggling, you go help them do theirs. You'll have a happier life than when you just say, well, I've done my share, I'm done. Come on, don't just do that. Don't, I, I've made my sacrifices. Yeah. 
So is everyone. The, the Bible says the, the older ones are responsible to conduct ministry for the younger ones. Well, I, I've paid my dues. No, 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 no. If you're older and wiser, now you should be the ones teaching the younger ones. Well, I had to figure it out on my own. I didn't let them figure it out. Well, that's not the way to do it. The Bible says now that you're older and wiser, come on, teach the younger ones. Come on. We need you. We need you. There, there, there's. Mm. Everybody say, I, I, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. <laughs> Come on, get fired up again about God. Get fired up about the things of God and, and say, I'm ready to, to go again. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn a new trade. I'm gonna, you're never too old to learn something. Read a book. Or just Google it. <laughs> Come on. The chair is not your destiny. Everybody say, the chair, the chair is not my destiny. Amen. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock it. If anyone opens the door, young, old, smart, dumb, rich, poor, black, white, uneducated, educated, it doesn't matter. He said, if anybody will open the door, I'll come in. He wants to come in and help you be successful, help you be prosperous, help you be fulfilled. All you got to do is open the door when opportunity knocks. But the problem is, opportunity is knocking every day, and we are in the easy chair. And we go, I just can't get up and answer it. But then we get up tomorrow and go, oh, I'm, I want to do something. Where's opportunity? Opportunity was knocking, but you were too lazy to get up and open the door. Come on, open the door when opportunity knocks. Amen? Come on, number four. Too often, we live for the moment. Everybody say moment. And not for our purpose. What makes me happy right now? What, what I, what I want to do now. But what I do now may not be what's best for my purpose. What I want to do now may not help me get to my end goal. When you have an end goal, everything you do between here and there is training. When, when, listen, I'm telling you, there's not one Olympian who is training for the Olympics that wakes up one day and goes, you know what? I'm going to go to the Olympics, but I don't think I'm going to work out today. I think today I'm just going to go eat pizza. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just going to go on vacation. I, I don't think I'm going to train right now. Uh, I'm going to go, but I'm going to train later. How many thinks that they'll get there? No. You see... They have a goal, and every day they do whatever it takes to get them closer to that goal. I'm telling you, they, they deny themselves a lot. Now, right after they stand on the stage and they get the gold, then they pig out on pizza. <laughs> and then the next day they start training for four years from now. You see, we have to, listen, our goal, if, if we have our eyes on heaven, we should be looking at everything, every decision, everything we do, saying, is that going to get me closer or is that going to take me further away? And there would be a lot of stuff we'd go, eh, I don't think I'm going to do that. Amen? So, don't live just for the moment. We're focused on survival of the day and we miss the big picture. If you're, you're, some of you, your job aligns with your purpose. And others of you, your job funds your purpose. See, everybody doesn't work in the field of their purpose. You remember Paul, the apostle? What was Paul called to be? An apostle. That's why he's called Paul, the apostle. <laughs> God called, Jesus called him. Called him on the road to Emmaus. He, he was, not road to Emmaus, on, on the uh, Damascus road. Struck him blind, spoke to him, follow me. And God called him. 
I mean, he was a great man. He wrote so much of our New Testament. All that. But guess what? He had a job. He was a tent maker. He made tents. He sold tents so he could fund what God called him to do. Do you think he loved making tents? Probably not, because how many knows you write about what you're passionate about? I don't have one chapter in my Bible on how to build a tent. That means he didn't really care about it. What he wrote about was loving Jesus. Falling in love with him, following him, looking at ourselves, denying ourselves. He wrote all about that. That's what he was passionate about. But he had a job and he even said, I haven't asked for y'all, nothing for y'all. I support my own ministry. So some of you are saying, well, I'm going to do something for God when I can have a job in that field. No, 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 no. Whatever God's given you, God's given it to you to fund your purpose. Everybody doesn't get to have a full-time, can't be full-time missionary or full-time whatever, but you can do what God has put in your hand. God's given you talent. God's given you ability to earn money so that you can fund. You can go to work. You can save your money. And you can buy an airplane ticket to go overseas and preach the gospel and be a missionary. But you can't just sit around and say, Lord, drop money out of the sky. Paul said, I made my own money, but that's not what I'm passionate about. Solomon, how many of you remember Solomon? Smart guy, wasn't he? You know what he said? Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 10. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Sound like anybody you know? I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve... Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Wow. See, those things that you strive so hard to make you happy, when you get them, you're going to go, I'm just not that happy. I want to get that new car. And you get that new car. Oh, it smells so good. And it's shiny. And and you're driving. You feel so good in it. And then you get that little book in the mail. (laughs) That first payment comes due. And then you got to get up. And you don't get to just sit in that car. Now you got to go work. To pay for it. That house and all the things we love, and, that, and that's, that's fine, it's, great. it's wonderful. And that's what we, we, we work, and God wants us to be blessed. But I'm telling you, if you're expecting those things to make you happy, Solomon said, I had it all. I had it all. And when I got right down to the end, it was meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Last one God created us to be world changers, not wind chasers. Are you chasing the wind? You feel like you have no meaning, no purpose? It's just the same old, same old, in and out, day in, day out. Nothing's new, nothing's exciting, nothing's fresh. I feel less than ordinary. But there's something deep inside of you. And you want to change the world. You want to make a difference in people around you. You know that you're extraordinary. And God has a plan. And you realize, wait a minute. I'm not just working to make myself happy. I'm working to finance the purpose of God in my life. The reason I've got that savings is not just to say I've got this much in the account. It's so that I can make a difference in other people's lives. It's so that I can forward the kingdom of God. I can help. I can be a blessing. I can serve. I have the freedom, the opportunity. You say, I'm retired now, and now I can just sit in the easy chair. No, it means you have more time to do the purpose of God in your life. 
Bill Hybels, great pastor, this is what he said. The desire to be a world changer is planted in the heart of every human being. And that desire comes directly from the heart of God. When we can suffocate that desire in selfishness, silence it with the chatter of competing demands, or bypass it with the fast track of personal achievements, but it's still there. Whenever we wander in our daily 8 to 5 grind and round the clock parenting task and all that there is to life, that divine, divine desire nudges us. Whenever we feel restless and unsatisfied, the desire whispers in our soul. Whenever we wonder what a life of real purpose would feel like, the desire calls us to be something more. If where you're at today is not truly satisfying and there's something inside you nudging, saying you can be more, you can be greater, you can be a blessing, God's wanting to call you to a higher purpose. Lastly, if we get out, everybody say out. If we get out of the chair, God will do something great in our life. Here's the deal. I like to pray in my chair. I pray sitting, laying down, kneeling. But I find a lot of times when I pray in my chair, <laughs> do y'all know what happens? I pray like this. And Amy says, you're snoring. Sometimes she'll look over and go, you're snoring with your eyes open. <laughs> you know why? I'm comfortable. But when we're comfortable, God can't always do. We can't fulfill greatness. Sometimes we've got to get out of the chair. Now, in the chair, sometimes I get good ideas. In the chair, I have visions. We were, we were, we, I was working the other day with Brother Johnny and Luke. And uh, uh, Luke was asking this and that. And I was going, how is this going to work? And Brother Johnny said, if y'all had a built this in your dreams, and if you'd, if you'd have laid in bed and built this last night, y'all know how to do it. You see? Because sometimes in our relaxing, in our stay, in, in our easiness, God's given us dreams and visions and purpose and we're planning and we're doing it. But guess what? You got to get up and do it. How many has had a good idea in your easy chair, but you hadn't got up and done it yet? You know what I'm saying today? Get up and do it. But you're saying, well, I'm, I think I'm too old now. I, 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 I had that desire when I was young. I had that desire here. No, you can still do it. All you got to do is get up out of the easy chair. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to put some effort to it. It's going to take a little blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of prayer. And you might fail. But that's okay. You just try again. But if you'll get out of your easy chair, God will do something great. If you're daring enough to break the status quo. If you're willing to pray, God, use me today to reach another human. If you're willing to pray, God, help me see the needs of others. Do you ever pray those kind of prayers? Do you ever ask God to help you meet the needs of somebody else? Do you ever pray and say, God, show me somebody hurting today? If you're willing to pray, God, uh, uh, use me as a channel. See, here's the thing. When we pray and ask God for help, it's surprising. I, so far... I haven't had money drop out of the sky. I haven't had the, 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 the bank make a mistake and just put money in my account. Now, they take some out. <laughs> you, know how you, you know how God usually blesses me? Does anybody know? Through somebody else. You are the answer to somebody else's prayer. 
And somebody is the answer to your prayer. But if you're in the easy chair, somebody's desperately praying and you're not listening. And their need may not get met. Get up and let God do something great in your life. Be willing to find a need and begin to pray until God gives you the answers. God, open the door. Amen? Do you know the, the most valuable real estate in the world? Do you know the most valuable plot of ground? It's not Manhattan. It's not the gold mines of Africa. It's not the oil fields of the Middle East. It's the graveyard. Never graveyard. There's unwritten novels. Never launch businesses. Unreconciled relationships. All the things that people said, I'll do tomorrow. And tomorrow never came. There's a lot of potential. Can I tell you today? There is some amazing potential sitting right here in the Lord's house. But will it ever be realized? There's businessmen, businesswomen. There is entrepreneurs. There, 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 there's millionaires. There's missionaries. There's pastors. There's teachers. There's doctors. There's lawyers. There's, there, there's surgeons. There's, there, there, there's everything. That, that the desire's there. But who's going to get out of the easy chair and say, I'll do what it takes to make it happen? I'm going to fulfill. I'm not going to settle for mediocrity. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Do, do, do you know what the death rate is right now among humans? 100%. 100%. So far, everybody that's ever lived has died. And we'll continue unless we're here when the trumpet sounds. And then we shall be no more. But before that happens, do everything you can to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. Amen? Here's what I want you to do for the next week. A little homework. You see on the back of that thing right there? What does it say? What bothers me? That's not for you to write people's names. I better not find one of those papers left in here with my name on it. I know where everybody sits. <laughs> yeah, everybody, what bothers me? Brother Samuel. <laughs> okay. My kids, my wife, my husband. That's not what, I'm not, what, what, what? Because here's, here's the thing, kind of a, a, a what bothers you is sometime a little picture of what God's calling you to, to fix. So, is it the poor? Is it homelessness? Is it, uh, maybe it's, it's business people, uh, unethical, you know, maybe it's those, uh, those doctors that, you know, do crazy. Maybe it's those lawyers that charge too much. Maybe it's this and that. Well, you know what? Find out what bothers you. And then we'll ask God later, because next week we're going to talk about igniting a spark, igniting the flame. We've got to have a spark. Something's got to spark within us before we can catch on fire. And so let's just write something. It's just for you. Bring it back. Uh, keep it. Put it in your Bible. And uh, then begin to say, Lord, if this bothers me, what, what can I do about fixing it? Sister Misty. For years, would say, Pastor, those flowers over there, those big old elephant ears hanging out broken, that bothers me. And I would say, Well, just as soon as you buy some new ones, we can fix that problem. And so, so one day, me and Amy and Sandra Misty, we went to Dallas, we traveled all over. And they got all these new plants. So, you know what? If something's bothering you around here, come on, point it out to me. And I'll see what I can do to help you fix it. But I'm not interested in you coming to tell me what's wrong that I need to fix. 
Because if it's bothering you, apparently God has called you to fix it. Unless it's me. If it's me, that's what God's called Amy to do. And she's been working a long time trying to fix this. She's getting kind of tired of it. She's got a lot of work to do. What bothers you? Just, you know, in your prayer time, when you're driving down the road, when you're at work, all of a sudden you see something, and that just, that just really gets in my crawl. Well, write it down. And then say, Lord, maybe you've, what can I do to be a blessing in that area? Next week we're going to talk about igniting a spark within you. I want to, I want to ignite your heart this summer. I want to encourage you. Come on. Uh, thank God. Let's get out of the easy chair. Everybody ready? I know it's summertime, but let's say, Lord, I'm ready to get up and do some work. Amen? Amen.